Hey, contest players, did you know there is a really good opportunity to qualify for the NHC coming up with our friends at Tampa Bay Downs. It's going to have special coverage of their big weekend coming up on the network this week. But really want you to be focused on Friday, February 16th, and Saturday, February 17th. You can play in this contest, win, place, or show only, $1,000 buy-in, live at Tampa. Make sure you get registered for this in advance. Make your travel plans now. For much more information, you can go to tampabaydowns.com and make sure you sign up today. I'm going to be there in person. Would love to see you out there once again. TampaBayDowns.com to sign up for their February High Rollers contest on February 16th, a Friday, and February 17th, a Saturday. More. Hello and welcome to the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show for Monday. February 12th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatown, back from uh, the ICE conference in London. We got to see uh, a lot of people and have a, a crazy few days over there, but uh, back once again in the bunker and uh, very pleased to be joined by Nick Tamaro on today's show. Nick, how are things going? Doing great, Pete. Glad to be with you. Ready to get another week started. Yeah, let's do it. And uh, it's going to be sort of an interesting racing week for me. I'm going to head down making my maiden voyage to tampa bay downs on the weekend there is the contest there that i've been reading ads for hopefully going to get to see a lot of uh, listeners slash viewers down there will not be playing in the contest because i'm a and they, they, believe me when i say this isn't the standing in solidarity with, with jk thing but i can't make the nhc because i'm uh, i'm over in england it's during during cheltenham and the the prize pool in the contest is super heavy but i figure i'll hang out i'll see a bunch of people i'll have some fun have you ever been to tampa I have. I've once uh, a year, two years ago, I went, I was, uh, my day job brought me to Orlando and I flew a day early. I actually flew, I, I took a 6am flight the morning after racing at Sam Houston back when you could actually follow our racing. Um, right. And I took the first flight over, landed, got the rental car, went straight to the track, went and watched the first race with Jason Beam and a uh, great little track, really cool, uh, kind of an old, uh, uh, laid back atmosphere, a um, lot of blue hairs. I definitely lowered <laughs> the average age by a mile, but of course that's the Tampa area. So yeah. And, and horse uh, racing. So there you go. Very much so. So yeah, no, I, I, um, are you staying in Tampa? No, I'm going to, I'm only there. I'm quick hitting it. So I was just going to stay in Oldsmar. It, it was unbelievably expensive. I, I was shocked at what the pricing was. Oh, this I, time of year is very expensive. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I thought Oldsmar would be much more chill than like Tampa, Tampa. But it, would you advise my staying in Tampa and, and schlepping or, or am I better off just being close to the track? Well, it's not an easy track to get to. I mean, there's really no road that takes you there. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to be quick in and out, I was going to say if you're Steve Bick recommended a pizza place to me in Clearwater, Ooh. that's very good. Um, and then I've, I've found a few decent spots around Tampa that were above average, but, um, yeah, I mean, if you're Oldsmar is sort of, it's in its own, it's in its own little spot there at the top of the bay and there's not really much going on immediately around there. So staying there, you'll just, you know, you'll be able to get, get in and get out. 
Yeah, I, I do want to see the place, but it, it's just it's not not for this trip. We'll save the Tampa uh, lifestyle content for another uh, for another show. With that in mind, though, we'll check out that uh, pizza place quite possibly. But I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you mentioned about Sam Houston. Let's give an, let's get an update on what's going on. I mean, it looks like uh, we are going to be working with Sam Houston promoting this big uh, contest coming up. We could talk about a little bit about the particulars of that. But I'm just curious how the meet's going and how you know, how it has evolved and what it's like to be there when the track itself writ large is in this seemingly kind of nether state, at least in terms of the national consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, we had a big day Saturday. We had the wiener dog races. So we had almost 5,000 people on track, which was, was a really good number for us. That's and the uh, place was crowded. Yeah. The uh, they put a lot of effort into marketing, obviously Brian Pettigrew, who's in charge now, that's his background. So he's put a lot of resources into marketing and, and getting the word out there and trying to, to really reach as many locals as possible, especially in a bit of a, of a, a sportsless section of the year here. Right. Um, obviously there's, there's no, there's no professional baseball for a couple of months and uh, the Rockets are not, they don't play as, as frequently as obviously the Astros do. So, and in, in advance of the rodeo, so the Houston livestock show and rodeo here is a very, very big local event that goes on from late February until about mid March. So we've got some, promotion specifically geared towards that to try and get people on track because I mean even as big a city as Houston is the restaurants even feel the rodeo impact when you figure that you know every night of the week there's 60 to 70,000 people at the rodeo um, <laughs> it's it's really amazing but have you been yeah so I've been yeah it's been a while so we go to the carnival every year that's where you basically do like games and fun and eat all kinds of assorted fried foods <laughs> and um, which this year there's like chicken fried steak on a stick and, and uh, <laughs> Mexican elote popcorn um, all kinds of different stuff. There's a very, very interesting looking maple bacon waffle burger <laughs> that is uh, is a burger on a waffle with maple syrup. And my wife has assured me that she will eat it. So we're going to go. Great. Yeah, we're going to go. Her, her, one of her uh, favorite things is the 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 uh, the pulled pork parfait that they oh. have at one of the barbecue stands. So it is a it's in a parfait glass, and they load it up with mashed potatoes and fried onion strings and gravy and then they put pulled pork on top of it oh my god and it's really good yeah it's really really good the I'm food's unbelievable awesome. so yeah, yeah it's it's, it's a yeah. yeah we've funnel cakes galore there so it, it ends up being a lot of fun so we we go to the carnival every year my daughter who's four loves it um they want to go see one of the one of the country acts i'm not the biggest country music fan um, but uh, ironically, one of the uh, entertainers this year is Nickelback. So there's they, they always <laughs> sprinkle in a few. They sprinkle in a few mainstream. What a one to choose. Uh, I mean, you know, it's funny. They, the and, and I'm around some young people somewhat frequently that have assured me that that people in their 20s are like big Nickelback fans. Interesting. So I'm going to I'm going to take their word for it and we'll see. We'll see how well it sells. But, yeah, it's primarily country. Um but this year, there's also 50 Cent, who is now a Houston resident and, um, and has gotten extremely popular here. Uh, Bun B is also the entertainer one night. He is a very famous Houstonian. The Go Tejano Day is Los Tigres del Norte. The Jonas Brothers are one night. Nickelback. Um, yeah, so it ends up being a lot of fun. So anyway, not that I need to promote the rodeo, but as far as what's going on at Sam Houston, the uh, one of the things that you alluded to that we'll be doing more of and talking more about on these airwaves is the Houston Betting Challenge, which I'm really excited about. This was kind of the uh, of my idea in terms of, of a second contest. And when I heard that, that the people in charge were willing to look at doing a second contest after we did the one 
on uh, Houston Racing Festival Day uh, or Houston Racing Festival Weekend, I should say. Uh, I wanted to do something where we could give out a BCBC spot. So there has never been a live qualifier in Texas that produced a BCBC qualifier. This is going to be the first time. So we're going to do a format that anybody that played in the old Arlington Park contests, they will remember it vividly. It was $2,000. Illinois is a lot like Texas in that they, we can't take an entry fee. So everything has to be bankroll. So it's a $2,000 bankroll. Uh, we're going to require you to bet 1000 on Sam Houston Live Races, and then we're going to let you bet the other 1000 however you want um, on any, any, any win play show exact to try double pools at Aqueduct, Keeneland, Santa Anita, and Oaklawn. And that happens to be Wood Memorial, Santa Anita Derby, and Bluegrass Day. So we're going to limit you to the races that are run during our card, which really is going to be, you know, that's going to be the meat of the schedule at, at all four of those tracks, um, even Santa Anita, because they run their bigger races earlier on Santa Anita Derby Day. Yep. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. You know, we'll give away one BCBC spot, at least two NHC spots. If we get a pretty decent response in terms of, of people playing, then we could always add a, a third NHC spot. So be a fun day. It's a great time of year to be down in Houston. The weather will be really nice. And uh, so we're, it's our closing weekend for, for the thoroughbred meet. So we're looking forward to having a lot of people in town. I was going to try to come, but I think I've got some work to do at Keeneland because that's the, that's their opening weekend. So I'm not sure if I'm going to make it down. I got to make it down soon. What's the date? Do you have that date in front of you? April, April 6th. So Saturday, April 6th. Very cool. And they were it the is opening, month. opening weekend of Keeneland. Yep. 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 The, the last contest had a fantastic response. I'm expecting similar for this. What's the best place for people to go to learn more and more importantly, to sign up? Yeah, shrp.com is the best place to go. Um, you can navigate there under the events tab and there'll be uh, more information about it. You can register, you can uh, fund your entries now. And there's also uh, qualifiers available on horsetourneys.com. Great so way of doing it. That involved there, great way to get into it. And obviously, uh, you know, we'll, we're hoping that the big hook is the BCBC spot. Because yeah. obviously that generates generates a lot of interest. Oh, for sure. No, it really sounds uh, it sounds like a great situation, and uh, happy to be promoting. And and maybe, maybe just maybe, if I can figure out a way to juggle some things around, get down there for my maiden voyage to Texas. It's now that my 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 secret shame used to be that despite my Irish heritage, I'd never been to Ireland. I've corrected that now. I had my Irish racing trip a couple of years ago, but it still kind of boggles the mind given the amount of friends I have in Texas and. Just my general, you know, love of uh, food slash music that and sports that I've never made it happen. It will at some point. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure to get that job, get get that job done. I'm, I'm inviting myself over to your house for a future for a future visit. One hundred percent. The door's always open to you. <laughs> Good stuff. Let's talk some racing from this past weekend. Why don't we start off with the Sam Davis, a race that uh, did not come back. Super strong on the clock, I think it's fair to say. Um, but it is a race that got people talking, and obviously Derby points on the line. What were your uh, What were your big takeaways from uh, from Saturday? Yeah, I think the biggest surprise about this race was the how it was bet, and then how yes. it unfolded. Given the way it was bet, I think yeah. uh, I Great saw point. David Aragona allude to that during the betting that he would have never expected no more time to get pounded at the windows the way he did. He ended up going off 3.3 to one. Yeah. Interestingly enough, Agate Road, who was the morning line favorite, actually went off the third choice. And, you know, as far as analyzing the race itself goes, Agate Road actually didn't run poorly at all. He actually oh, he ran well. okay. Yeah, he's just, he's probably just one of those, you know, relatively solid horses that 
is going to need to take a pretty appreciable step forward in order to uh, to really be a factor in any of these meaningful races. And it's unlikely, I think, that he'll get to that level. But he's a good, hard-trying horse and obviously has a running style that isn't really conducive to being successful long-term in dirt routes. Um, with that said, you know, No More Time was was solid on the front end. I guess he had worked very impressively at Palmetto's the uh, Saturday before this race for Jose D'Angelo, who's now over 30% at the Tampa Bay meet. Um, because quite honestly, this horse hadn't run particularly well in the Mucho Macho, man. I mean, he didn't run, he didn't run bad. He got out of the gate poorly, made a middle movie flattened out. But I, I don't think any of us were expecting the kind of uh, improvement that was going to be necessary to win this. And there it was. Fell into that they knew category, I think it's fair to say, you know, <laughs> given when, when they're bet like that and then run like that. And you knew there was some story around about the horse. I have a feeling the combination of, you know, hot barn and great workout. Those are the kind of things that will sometimes get market signal to the point where it becomes over signal. Do you think that's what was happening there? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Um, no doubt. And, you know, he'll go on to the Tampa Bay Derby where you would imagine he'll face a, a vastly different group of horses in terms of quality. You know, it's kind of funny. And obviously later in the week, we'll talk at length about the Risen Star. But the Risen Star is a very, very strong race. And Sam Davis wasn't. Um, it's not all that shocking. The Risen Star has now taken up. Risen Star has basically become the big penultimate prep on the trail. Yeah. And the Sam Davis just doesn't really have that cachet if it doesn't really have a marquee Todd Pletcher horse or, you know, somebody else that's coming back. It was supposed to have locked. So it was supposed to be a very different race. And obviously he had a he had a brief setback that kept him from going there. I mean, the, the, the biggest disappointment in the race by far, Pete, was change of command. Yeah, and, just, you know, change of command was supposed to run a lot better. And and he just he gave way readily. Um, you know, he ran like a horse who bled, which interestingly, he had gotten Lasix in his in his three year old debut and then was off of it on Saturday. But um, that was a that was a particularly dull kind of effort. And so I, I, I don't know exactly what they're going to end up doing with him, but I can't imagine. I imagine he'll get some time off if he bled because it wasn't a wasn't a good effort. And you know, for a horse that looked like he was coming into his own kind of nicely late last year, he the, the, that has really stalled. That was my speculation as well in the little video we did. He just, just had that look of a run where a horse bled. And yeah, hopefully they'll, yeah, they're going to take their time. Those connections will take their time and yeah, hopefully bring him back. And, and hopefully he's got a lot more under the hood than what we saw on Saturday, because that certainly was not much. I think it's, so the race comes back in an 80 buyer speed figure. So I don't want to go crazy here, but I do think Agate Road is worth pausing on based on the fact that, you know, he smacked into the gate. It was far back at a track where it's hard to be that way, came wide. Um, and then I also thought it looked like had probably a bit more in the stretch, but when it was obvious he wasn't going to win, was not, you know, asked for necessarily everything. I mean, it seemed to me like one that's interesting, but I worry that I'm making the, the cardinal mistake of uh, wanting to bet a trip horse out of a slow race potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd be careful with it. You know, he's uh, if he keeps making these mildly sort of seductive late rallies, then he'll get a lot more cachet than than he deserves um, because people will fancy him maybe an underneath candidate in the Derby. I thought it was. And, and look, let's be honest, it's pretty hard to follow Micropoli on Twitter right now. But um, so it, it was an interesting tweet on his part to say that he views agate road as his sleeper sleeper derby horse and you know what that felt like pete 
that Tell felt like me. a big vote of no confidence on fierceness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a yeah. good point. I mean, he admitted that he was, you know, absolutely puzzled. It was one of those things where I think coming out of the race with fierceness, they were probably hoping they'd find something just to explain it. You know what I mean? And when he came back out, apparently, you know, clean, fresh as a daisy, I, I think that that may be contributing to that sense of. Uh, of oh boy that he must be having around around that horse at this point because he just he just seems like one that's just the hardest kind of horse these days they run so infrequently and then when one is capable of running an unexplained stinker 50 percent of the time it just makes them a very difficult betting vehicle and that might be part of part of the agate road uh, interest from rapoli and others i do think it's interesting so jonathan and i argued about agate road going into the race i thought it was interesting jonathan is like 100 percent convinced he's he's a better uh, a better turf horse um i'm not sure i'm not i i just i don't know i mean i i feel like with his pedigree he's supposed to be a better dirt horse he is 100 percent supposed to be a better dirt horse no doubt about it i couldn't agree more um I mean, did Jonathan throw in there that Yellow Agate is a horse that he went all in on in the previous? He couple did. Of he mentioned. And he lost. Mentioned okay. He okay. Good. Fifteen yeah, grand on the dam. Yes, yeah, that did yeah. come up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's done that so much. I wanted to make sure that he at least remembered. He's also done extremely well in that contest. So, in, yeah. in fairness, so I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to castigate him too much, but um, yeah, I mean, I saw the pedigree the first time he ran and was like, well, this is this is supposed to be a dirt horse, and you know, smart ass that I am, I was like, well, you know, if Todd's running this horse on the dirt, then he thinks they're on the turf then he thinks he sucks you know and, and that's just generally my approach now he was he did stay in obviously in a race that was taken off the turf and, and yeah, the fact that Todd right. came right he came right back with him on turf made it clear that you know he felt like at this point he was probably better off on the turf so I, I would side with Jonathan's uh, thought at this point that he's probably better on the turf. I mean, remember also that Todd had noted at that point who he ran on the dirt and the sapling and then ultimately put back on the turf as well. So, you know, he kind of went at the Breeders' Cup juvenile turf division, so to speak, with this two-pronged approach of having noted in Agate Road. They both, you know, ended up uh, winning prep races. Noted actually lost the bourbon, but he just lost by a nose. And so, yeah, who knows? I mean, I, I don't know. He's... Agate Road seems again. He seems like a horse who probably has a little bit of ability, but it seemed it would seem to me at this point like any big objective out there that he's going to take down is going to require some pretty serious improvement. To close the book on the Sam Davis, no more time uh, for me. Looks like one I, I, I'm I'm pretty much waiting to cut in line to bet against next time. Now, granted, the darn crowd's so sharp these days. Maybe a horse coming off. The, the the good trip um, low figure race isn't going to take some extraordinary amount of money next time, but who knows? I mean, he clearly has a fan club the way they bet him on uh, on Saturdays. Is, is that about where you stand with no more time to? Feels like a fair assessment. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not going to be in a big rush to bet him, and he could end up being a horse that wins again in Tampa if you know there isn't a horse that that maybe comes out of the woodwork and. I mean, all of these horses based in South Florida can't run in the Fountain of Youth. Um, so, you know, we're going to have to get Doorknock somewhere. We're going to have to get, obviously, Fierceness if he were to run again. I would imagine that some of the other horses that ran in the Holy Bull are going to wait for the for the uh, Florida Derby. But, yeah, I mean, I think, the, you know, the horses that you'd be thinking about in terms of where they might surface next, but is Locked, um, uh, Conquest Warrior, uh, who looks who feels like one that's a little bit fancied at this point so we'll see how they end up performing as, as time goes by 
Where do we hear that Locked is going next? It did sound like it was a minor setback, not an off-the-trail setback. Any rumors or just speculation on your part about that? Um, you know, I would it's – a, it's a tough time to miss – see, he didn't work back, which was not the best sign because I think the hope was that he would have missed the 2-3 workout but then get back on the tab around 210. Todd pretty consistently works his horses on the weekends. Um, it's really going to boil down to if this horse isn't back on the work tab by Thursday, then I think he'll probably look at something like the Tampa Derby off the bench and then he'd be maybe a wood or or a bluegrass horse. I mean, given given that he ran well at Keeneland already, I would imagine. And the fact that the bluegrass is a grade one would probably make them want to do that. So yeah, I mean, he, you know, he had worked, he'd worked six times between seven times between the uh, Breeders' Cup and when, when he should have started at Tampa, would have ended up having eight works by then. So it's not like he's not fit, but, you know, you start to become worried if you miss two weeks worth of workouts. So oh, I would, I would probably say locked is going to the, to the Tampa Derby and they'll take that route. And, and look, I mean, Todd has done that with success in the past. So I think, I think Taprit made his, uh, did Taprit make his 2017 debut in the Tampa Derby? He may have. I'll take I'm it. looking it up right now. Okay, yeah, you did. Um, no, he ran in the Sam Davis. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think Todd was looking at going very much the Taprit-type route of Sam Davis, Tampa Derby, and Bluegrass. So, I mean, he'll be a little bit behind the eight ball. Um, but, you know, I don't think that precludes him from potentially getting there. Yeah, some people will tell you that if you even have you know one bad day between February one and the first Saturday in May, that that you're you're sunk or you're compromised at least, and that may be true. But they're all individuals, and we'll see you know what happens when he reappears on the racetrack. We had another Derby prep race in the past. It's been more of a Preakness prep race, at least the recent past, out at Golden Gate Fields in the form of the El Camino Real Derby, won by Endlessly, son of Oscar Performance for Michael McCarthy, got an eighty-seven. Buyer speed figure is this a potential sleeper for you in any in any uh, way shape or form or is this a uh, this a horse that uh, you know would just beat an overmatched group the other day and and that's about as good as he is right now. Good move on our part promoting Oscar Performance, who of course uh, stands at, at Mill Ridge Farm and has done Nobody's. extremely well so far. Yeah, and uh, Marshall Graham would tell you that Oscar Performance arguably is just as good a dirt sire as he is a turf sire. Uh, with that said, it looks like Endlessly is more of a turf horse. He's uh, not really had a lot, uh, not had an opportunity yet on the dirt. I mean, I imagine that in the hands of somebody like Michael McCarthy, he'll be given that opportunity if he looks like he's deserving of it. Yep. But um, yeah, this race doesn't quite have the cachet it once did. Doesn't mean that Endlessly can't end up being a relatively nice horse, but uh, does look like he'll probably be more of a, of a turf type of animal moving forward. I'm sure, you know, Rombauer must pop to mind for, for McCarthy. And, but he is, like you said, he's such a good judge. If, if there's, if it makes sense to, to go, if he turns up on dirt, I'm going to take him seriously. Let's put it that way, but I'm not necessarily expecting that either. We'll see what, well, I mean, there's kind of an interesting layer to this, right, Pete, and you and I have been dancing around it and we will continue to dance around it because there's, I have no benefit in making a comment on it, but he could run endlessly in the San Felipe and just plan on him running second and get first place points. Right. 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 Because those horses from that barn that aren't allowed to go, I mean, it's yeah. like they're not entities. Right. So you don't, if you finish second, you get the first place points. Don't you? Right. I should know this, but I'm almost sure that's right. We should check it though. 
Um, may, uh, I'm not sure where the right place to look at those. Oh, I guess we could just look at uh, go, at the results of the. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I, can look, look I can look. I can look as we talk at yeah. the Nisos race and see what right. happened. See if the right. second place finisher. It's either those points either go into the ether or they go or they get pushed down. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the answer is, but the answer is out there. Um, and 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 we'll have it for you soon. We should. We, we, you know, we haven't fully discussed. The, the whole Baffert uh, Churchill situation. And I don't think we have a ton to say about it, but I do think it's worth uh, bringing up. And, and there's really no better segue than that to uh, May Moon, who made the return to the races on, uh, on, on uh, Sunday. And so maybe we'll talk about that race and, and we'll get back to just our general thoughts on the Baffert thing. Cause I do have, I do have some thoughts and feelings that I'm willing to share on it um but what uh, did, were you able to find out anything on that yeah no you get you get the points as if you get the points based on where you finished so Cascadify, for example has six which means okay. that he got he got third place points for okay so there's no angle to running a horse right so there is no angle to running there so that defeats my my 30 second theory that we shot that <laughs> quickly. it but, wasn't um, interesting it was an interesting. Well, idea. it was an in- it was an interesting idea because I mean, obviously, if you were getting first place points, you just stick them in there in San Felipe, and if you run second, no big deal. Now you almost have a. Now you almost want to specifically keep him away from Southern California. And well, and the other funny thing is that some of those heavies. Vis-a-vis the 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 Rombauer route, uh, the Preakness obviously not not that it was an easy target when Rombauer won it, but it was easier than having a bunch of fresh Bob Baffer horses waiting for you the way you will this year. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they end up uh, what they end up doing um, with endlessly. Let's talk about May Moon. Uh, you know, I know you have a buyer figure for us on the, on that race, and I was curious what you thought of the effort. You know, he looked looked like he was going very well, and then looked like he was going to lose to the stablemate, and then. Uh, I wasn't watching enough Santa Anita to have an opinion about if the racetrack had anything to do with that, but he certainly was game to get back up there in the final strides. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess with, with these horses, we've gone, we've grown to just expect borderline greatness every time they, they go to the post. And so from that perspective, it was a bit underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also a bit of a, you know, it was a bit of a sign that, that, Bob also has more horses than there are races in Southern California. Um, and obviously, Muth is a horse that he's, I'm sure, pointing to the San Felipe. I suppose he could end up running in the Rebel, but, I mean, he's going to point him to, to one of those races. So May Moon being his stablemate is not going to have I, – actually, I kind of wonder why Bob wouldn't send a horse like that to the Saudi Derby, but I guess he's not planning on on going. Um but I mean, May Moon was in here because there really aren't that many more opportunities. He was supposed to handle this field easier. He was a little green, you know. He was a little mouth open, trying to get rated on the front end. Yeah, the early the first part of the race turn. was ugly. It was very ugly, actually. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the greatest thing. Um, it's funny too. I, I remember. I remember you telling me shortly before Flavian Pratt went to New York that Jonathan had this theory that Flavian Pratt would just be like totally inept. Uh, went riding against like top level riders and maybe not inept. That's probably a little much, but he thought he thought Flavian would really struggle. I got to tell you, I think Juan Hernandez would be like a 5% jockey in New York. 
I, I really, I, I just, I don't get him at all. I, I, I don't, I, he wins a lot of races out there. I handicap those races every day. I, he's legged up on a lot of really good horses. I'm not a huge fan of his. He's definitely improved over time, but um, he has a lot of horses that I think end up getting in spots that I don't really love. That said, there wasn't much he was supposed to do here, but you know, what we, I think what we expected as the race was unfolding was that when imagination put a charge into him around the turn, you know, it was going to be a question of how quickly he responded. And he did respond really nice. And he was gritty in terms of coming back along the inside when it looked like he was totally beaten at the eighth pole. Yeah. And I mean, imagination is almost like half a side in front of him. He's he's well clear of him before May Moon starts fighting back. So, yeah, he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of ability. Yes, he did not run back to his debut figure, but um, but he's a horse, I think, that still has a lot of upside. And, um, and I'm not beating up on Juan Hernandez for this ride. He didn't do anything wrong. It was just, it was surprising to see the horse so hesitant to relax. And usually horses with a lot of speed and a lot of quality aren't that way in the, in the first couple of furlongs or so, but, uh, it's up to Baffert to try and figure out how to harness that speed. So good effort, you know, probably another stakes horse in the, the squadron of Bob Baffert runners that look well meant. And so we'll see what happens. You might guess, this is just a made-up-on-the-spot guess, that maybe there was a instructions that Imagination was, like, supposed to go to the lead, and then Maimoon had such early speed, he was just trying to get him to settle to, like, obey the instructions, and that, that was where the wrestling match came from, maybe. I mean, it makes sense for uh, him to want to cap- take a horse like Maimoon and, and, you know, see what happens if he if he sits off of a of a rival um that's a question they've already you know they have much more data on with imagination so anyway interesting to see where he goes let's now talk about the sort of elephant of the room of the entire um, derby season just for a couple of minutes here but you know this whole issue of should these baffert horses be allowed in the in in the derby uh, you know what what's going on at this point that too so just to recap for the you know we have a lot of more casual fans coming in this time of year there was the baffert ban um based on medina spirit for uh, the medina spirit positive for two years and then it was they were supposed to look at it again i think a lot of people assumed that uh, as a result of Bob not having actually uh, had any uh, issues with the, 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 the various uh, racing commissions in that time period that he'd be allowed to run. It also stands to reason that Churchill Downs, who were still at that time when they made the original decision being sued by Baffert, said the heck with that. You know, I'm going to take my ball and go home, essentially, or the opposite of that. You're, we don't want you to play in our sandbox, whatever it was. Then. Baffert drops the lawsuit, but, you know, after they'd already sort of said what their plan was for this year. So I think ideas perpetuated by Jonathan and others that, you know, that they that they did that thinking they'd still be able to run this year. I don't think that really makes much sense. I I think that, you know, the die was cast at that point. Anyway, uh, Churchill, you know, made no it was kind of funny, the timing of the press releases. There was a press release about the dropping of the lawsuit. And then like an hour later, the Churchill press release saying doesn't matter. (laughs) I don't know. As a racing fan, I want it to be, I just want this to be over and I want to go back to some semblance of normalcy. What do you think, Nick? I mean, should the Baffert horses be, have been allowed to run in the Derby this year? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm like you, right? I want to see, I want to see the best horses possible in there. And, um, you know, this got very ugly when it became uh, entrenched in the legal system that, um, really nobody, you know, uh, nobody was able to get any satisfaction out of. And I think there was probably some tough decisions made by both sides in terms of prolonging it. 
um, you know, Churchill has the duty of maintaining the sanctity of their most important property, which is the Kentucky Derby. And Bob Baffert also has the duty to his clients to ply his trade and try and get horses ready for the Kentucky Derby. Because above all, Bob Baffert gets horses from people that spend a lot of money because they want to win the Kentucky Derby. And that's why he's won it so many times. And uh, that's why he's had the kind of success that we've seen over the years. So it's, there's a clear loser in all of this, right? And it's the racing fans. The racing fans lose. Right, exactly. I mean, it's, (laughs) you know, it's, and I don't think that if you asked the Baffert camp, would they say, yes, we want the racing fans to suffer? And I don't think Churchill Downs would say that either. You know, I do think that it's important to note that um, Churchill, Baffert needs Churchill more than Churchill needs Baffert. And the only reason I say that, and this is not me, and look, there's no denying it. I get a 1099 from CDI every year, right? It doesn't mean that my integrity has a price. But I mean, what it means is that my point in saying that is that there are going to be 20 horses in this year's Derby. There are going to be a shit ton of people there. There is going to be a ton of money bet. And it's really, the needle is not going to be moved by whether Bob Baffert's horses are in it. What we're going to know as racing fans is that there's going to be a Derby winner this year that unfortunately deserves an asterisk because he will likely not be the best three-year-old around. Now that's provided that all these horses continue to develop and move forward and so on and so forth. So that's the dividing line. And I think if you take the Churchill corporate approach, which is that, hey, you know what? If we've got him in there, we've got him in there. If we don't, we don't. There's going to be plenty of horses that deserve to be in there that are going to go. And, you know, it's going to be a big, popular, super race no matter what. And that's that. So, again, I mean, that's not the approach that I would like, uh, that I would take, but that's the approach that they're taking. So um, I hope that it's that this is it, you know, that that now everybody can sort of play nice and the, the punishment will have been meted out, um, even though it took, it, it was sort of piecemeal, it will be over and we can look forward to 2025. Um, I know specifically that, that Bob Baffert's clients would like that. I think CDI would probably like it as well. I mean, they probably want this thing to be behind them, but at the same time, I mean, they want to make sure that everybody understands that as a property, they're going to take care of the Derby with, uh, with, with every possible effort they can put forth. Yeah, I think he's very, very well answered. You asked one of my questions. You answered one of my questions already about um, about would there be an asterisk? Uh, and and it, yeah, it sure looks like the, the, a small one anyway. I mean, you can only beat who you come up against. But when there's another horse that looks like it's going to have run faster, considerably faster figures than whoever the Derby winner is, it's it's not a great situation. Where you mentioned the owners and and, and of of Baffert, that was another sort of surprise wrinkle in the story. Unlike the past two years, when Churchill um, had well, Churchill had the same mandate this year. They actually made it even harder this year. The horses were going to have to be transferred from Baffert uh, earlier to be eligible to run in the Derby. None of the horses got moved. Did that surprise you? It did. It did surprise me. Yeah. I, I, but I also wondered if the way that some of those horses fortunes kind of shifted throughout the rest of the year, um, if that was more of something that, that the connections noticed last year and the year before. And I mean, really, you know, Taba and national treasure are the only two that kind of come to mind that were horses that ran for other barns that ultimately went on to have any success um, as the year went on, you know, reincarnate really didn't. And you think about Messier and, you know, he obviously had some injury problems as well. So, uh, you know, there's a rhythm to the way these horses are, are campaigned, the way they're trained. And I think when you upset it a little bit, you really run a risk. And so I think the connections were trying to avoid that. 
which um, I don't necessarily blame them. I mean, I still think it feels like we're, I mean, it feels like the case is closed, right? I mean, I don't think we're getting a, a shock announcement at some point that, hey, by the way, we've actually walked this back. Um, because at that point, you know, I, I guess the only out, so to speak, is that they could say, well, we can retroactively issue points for these races because we didn't give the the also rans an elevated amount of points. But I mean, you also can't let the leaderboard get too involved. I mean, now you're going into the round of preps that are worth significantly more points. You can't yeah. let the leaderboard sort of shake out without doing something right away. So I mean, that announcement, if it were to happen, is coming this week. I don't Excuse I don't, me, think, I don't think that's happening. No, yeah, I, don't I don't think, think it's possible. I mean, I think you, you might even there might even be legal issues with it. The way that it's written uh, in terms of those horses having to have been transferred, etc. Like it's just not it, it would definitely be making up the rules as they go along, which which is not something that I, you know, not something that I would expect. Uh, not only not something I would expect, I, I would sincerely think it was impossible for for it to happen for for cbi at this point but like you said well you know the racing fans it's a, it's a bit of a bummer but it'll still be a great obviously a betting event and who knows maybe the you know maybe niso stubs a toe in the in the santa Anita derby and doesn't run so well and and maybe one of these other horses steps up and, and this idea of an asterisk will seem silly in a few weeks time we'll, we'll revisit it for sure but yeah i wanted to get your perspective on that because it's not something that we had uh, really talked about with in, in any level of uh, of detail and yeah we'll we'll leave that there for the time being uh any super bowl thoughts or stories from you did, did this was a game i ultimately decided not to bet pre because and and what i told myself and, and was that whichever if i'm wrong whichever side wins i'm gonna feel like an idiot because i have 10 reasons why i should have bet you know bet for that side instead of against them i ended up making an ill-timed in-game bet on the Niners. There was a point in the game where I was where you know I was like nope these it's not about what happened the last 3 weeks these teams are much closer to uh, to to what I thought they were and uh, and I really thought San Fran was going to roll. Um, so basically I get credit for waking up uh, waking up Pat Mahomes um, in that sense. Uh, slash uh, slash Kelsey though Niners Niners in game injuries that I wasn't paying enough attention to probably factored into it as well but just curious to get your thoughts on the game in general yeah I mean it was a it was a game that felt a little too much like the Patriots Rams uh, Super Bowl from a few years ago early yeah, on early on then, it was that <laughs> yeah and then once they got going a little bit um, I think these were two teams that. Uh, that had better defenses than they both got credit for. And the Kansas City defense was lauded the last few weeks as being really a, a terrific unit and definitely the best defense of the of the Mahomes-Reed uh, dynasty. Um, and it played out that way. And I, th I think there was a point at which, about midway through the third quarter, where I thought to myself, you know, I would if I was betting, and I went this entire season without making one football bet, which is hadn't been the case in a while, but um, I actually enjoyed just watching it as a fan and I'm busy enough anyway. So I didn't really need to burden myself with another five hours a week of well, sports yes. betting handicapping. Yeah. So, right. And sweating um, a three hour inquiry. So, um, so I thought to myself, you know, the chiefs in game would be a tremendous bet right now, mainly because it felt like San Francisco had so many opportunities to fire the kill shot and they just never did. And the thing is Brock Purdy on the last four possessions that the 49ers had to me looked like the Brock Purdy from the first half of the Lions game yeah. where he was, yeah. he was throwing a lot of passes, falling away, 
Um, he's getting a lot of passes batted down um, because he's not very tall. You know, he's not a particularly big guy. And I'm also not really even sure at this point how good he is. I, I find myself rooting for him. I love Kyle Shanahan from his time where he was with the Texans. And I've, I've kind of loved the Shanahans forever. So I was rooting for the 49ers. But um, it just it, every bit of that final eight minutes of clock time and into overtime felt like the Chiefs are going to find a way to win this game. Right. I mean, you just you sort of knew they were going to find a way to win the game. I mean, the most interesting thing looking at it in retrospect is that, I mean, word is actually coming out that the 49ers may not have known the rules. I mean, they, they may not have realized that that each team was going to get the ball. And a couple of the players said it afterwards. What? And some of the Chiefs players came out. Yeah. I mean, one of the I don't know whether it was use check or one of the guys, one of the players got interviewed and and in his press conference was like, yeah, we didn't actually realize that the playoff overtime rules were different. That's insane. And, that's I mean, totally insane. Right. And the ref said it, the ref said it at the coin toss. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know looking back at it, if maybe, maybe Shanahan didn't school the uh, Fred Warner who came out to do the coin toss and say like, Hey, if we win the toss, we want the ball second because we want to know what to do. But, yeah. you know, you also wonder um, if, if they had allowed Kansas city to go down the field and score a touchdown, you put Purdy out there down a touchdown, looking as shaky as he did, it wouldn't have probably been a great result either way. Their their inability to 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 stay committed to the run late in the game, I thought, was a problem as well. So I mean that was um, that was also an issue. Uh, so yeah, it, it was it was a fun game. I mean, good you know good to see the season gone and means we're a little closer to baseball season, which I'm always excited <laughs> about. But I'll miss football anyway. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm I'm going to be ready by by it's April first. It's a lot less of a wait than it used to be. You know, the Super Bowl used to be January 20th. You know, we get we get an extra month now cutting into we having to and now we barely have to wait for pitchers and catchers. What? It's like 10 days or something ridiculous. Yeah, uh, Dodgers reported already. My last thought on the game is just I, I mean, your analysis is I mean, it, it, it sounds dead on. I wish I had to talk to you instead of I mean, I bet I think I bet before the point that you were describing on the San, I know I did on the on the San Fran side. Um, but it was definitely a, a game for me that really, you know, like so many NFL games, just to come, come down to that one big turnover late kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. And so much of it was about that. I mean, this was a game that, that had some inopportune turnovers. You know, the uh, 49ers turned it over on their first possession. Driving down the field, they turned it over. Um, they missed the extra point. I mean, they, had, they turned it over on the muffed punt. They definitely had a lot of things go against them. So, I don't feel like that much of an idiot at the end of the day. And, hey. I, I fluked into a, a, a giant share in a Super Bowl square that I wouldn't have given you uh, fifteen dollars for before the game. Two, the old two five. <laughs> two five. I mean, what what a way to what a way to win a square, right? I mean, the numbers that you basically just throw right in the trash when you get them. <laughs> yes, I was able to basically make the uh, make the bet go make, make the the in game bet went away with that night with that nice. But all right, Nick, I'm gonna let you get back to uh, business over there. We got another uh, guest coming up. I'm very excited to welcome back to the In the Money Airwaves. But uh, we will get you uh, back on for another show soon. Sounds great, my friend. Thank you. Next up on the show, a returning guest, one of the original guests, one of the reasons we're here in a lot of ways. If you know that story, I'm not going to tell it again now, but uh, around here, we refer to her as the first lady of the In The Money Players podcast, and she is coming on today to talk about her new role at 
therapeutic horses of Saratoga. She, of course, is Kim Weir. Kim, how are things? Well, Happy New Year, my friend. It is so great to be with you. Now it feels like the year can truly begin if I get a little dose of Pete and ITM. <laughs> it's great, great to be with you. So I want to ask you, you know, I've, I've sort of hinted about uh, about this this new role. I want I want people have asked me and I've you know, mentioned you and been thanking you at the end of every show in lieu of thanking any organization. But uh, the, the short version of the story before we get into the fantastic work being done by you and Therapeutic Courses of Saratoga, how did you how did you get there? How did this change come about? Oh my gosh! Well, it has been it has been a journey, and I always like to say that the horses are the ones that bring us together, and in some ways, they're they're the ones r- running the show. <laughs> we just have to figure out what they're trying to tell us. Um, so I have to say that I actually first met this organization. It was actually a, it was I mean, so it's always so kismet, I guess, when you look back on things. But it was actually one of my volunteers from the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, another Kim. Actually, she had volunteered with us at the TRF, but she really, really wanted to get her hands on horses as a volunteer, which was always a bit of a challenge for us. Um, as much as we loved our volunteers, the fact that our horses lived at prisons made them sort of inaccessible yes. for volunteers on the regular. So Kim, um, Kim Mariotti, in case she's listening, she's the one who found her way first to Therapeutic Horses Saratoga. And this was definitely like, I think this was definitely 2021 that she found her way here. And she got here and she started telling me about them and saying, Kim, you're going to love these people. You really need to get involved. They're, they're here locally. This might be a nice outlet for the volunteers. So thanks to her, um, I always I'll start with her. So she wanted her hands on horses, and then she brought me. We set up a lunch, and it was a lunch at the wonderful, beloved Triangle Diner that I know you know, and many of, of your listeners will know the Triangle Diner. I had a, a lunch there with my now colleague, Meg Kalaski and her then colleague, La, Laura. And they t- started telling me this story. So it was probably nearly, I'm going to say it was 2022, that we had the breakfast um, or the lunch. So that was probably two years ago today that I sort of sat down for the first time and started hearing the story of this organization, which was really quite, still quite new at that time. It was actually founded back in 2018, but it had, you know, lived through COVID um, as it was you know, getting its roots into the ground. So, so it did start there and, you know, it started a couple years ago and then we have continued in touch. We do believe that we are, and I'm going to say it, my favorite line is that we are all one herd, but we're just in different pastures. <laughs> so I loved everything these guys were doing because it is sanctuary, much like the TRF is sanctuary but using the horses in a very different way. And so um, the story has unfolded and I will gladly tell it long form to, at any point to you or to your <laughs> friends. But I'll just say that it began then and, and it has continued in a very sort of naturally evolving, you know, maybe like that plant analogy, a little seed planted and has grown and grown. And then last year it just sort of came, it came to fruition that maybe this was the right time to make a move where I maybe have done as much as I was meant to do at the herd that I loved so dearly at the TRF. And this place sort of was looking for needing some 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 new horses, fresh horses um, to take them to the next stage of their growth. And it just is a match made in heaven. I'm just so happy to be here. Well, there's so much great stuff to unpack here. I mean, I love the idea that you're still working with retired racehorses. That's great and obviously means we can uh, continue our partnership in, in along the lines of, of what we've been doing over the course of, of the last several years. I've been very proud. You know, there's been a lot of things within the money that I've been super proud of. You know, it's grown so much more than, than we ever thought it would. It was just originally supposed to be, you know, the podcast that we used to do at the, the, the DRF uh, continuing on. And it's, you know, grown into this proper media company. But 
the thing that's the best of all the things that we do is the money we've been, been able to raise. And yes. I'll tell you right now, I, I would love to, to, to help out in that regard. Um, you know, and if there's a way specifically uh, to earmark funds specifically for horses as, as much insofar as that's something that's possible to do, um, I would love to be able to have our listeners continue to do that, hopefully through our Horse Player Happy Hour shows. I have a new idea. I'm going to save it for the end. We have an announcement about a very special event. Uh, you don't even know this yet. That I don't. tell you about, But a special event people can participate in. Uh, you can mark the date, March 23rd for that one. Um, but, but anyway, well, it's not all official, but I'm going to let the cat out of the bag because it's just so perfect with having you on. But it, it, it's something I definitely want to stay involved in, obviously. Love that connection. And um, obviously, we need to hear a bit more about uh, about the specifics of the work that, that, that you're doing and how this works. I love I mean, look, it was amazing going to prison and meeting the I, I never went to one of the female programs. So I only met the, the men in the program and hearing how it changed your life. Incredibly moving. But knowing you and knowing your talents and knowing how you operate, the ability to be part of a program that can help help a wider swath of people in terms yes. of the therapeutic aspect that we're going to get into, but also that's going to allow us, the listening audience, to see this stuff up firsthand, no security clearance needed. Uh, yeah. Those are two things that I'm the most excited about. But let's start with the very basics of the work that you do. And I'm going to use the acronym this time at THS. Yes. Well, thank you. And first of all, as much as I don't want to go backwards, I just want to make sure you really do, uh, I like to say, marinate in that feeling of accomplishment, um, Mr. Fornatal and every member of the ITM team, JK and every on-air person and Drew and uh, Craig and, and James, everyone behind the scenes, like your collective impact on the horses at the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation cannot be overstated. And so I just could go on and on like you know, but I just want you to know you okay. should be proud of that because you that. really, really, really did a great job and, and continue. To, you've, you've changed the way horse players look at aftercare, like period. And so you rock. Well, thank you. And we will still, for those who are wondering, we still hope we don't have anything in place, but still hoping to find ways to support TRF in in, in some other ways on, on some other uh, broadcast properties. You can probably guess if you're listening and are familiar with the In the Money catalog, who I'm talking about. Um, but anyway, we're, we're going to keep that relationship going, hopefully. But now let's move forward and talk about THS. Great. No, absolutely. Because it is. It's all one herd. These horses, they need us. They need all of us. They need. Okay. All right. Well, good. Well, thank you. And happy to tell the story. As I say, that one thing I do most for the horses is tell their story. So to, here at the, ther the Therapeutic Horses of Saratoga, um, this this program really speaks to me because um, the 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 way I describe them in simple terms is they are helping horses and healing humans. And so let's unpack that. So helping horses means that this is, first and foremost, a Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance accredited organization. I honestly would not go work to one, that go to work for anybody that was not accredited and monitored by the TAA because their work is so important to keeping the tide high for how we care for these animals when their careers are over. So this is a Thoroughbred Aftercare organization, for sure. It is also um, a sanctuary, much like the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation was. It's a sanctuary, meaning that we are going to take those horses that cannot pursue to another athletic career due to either age or injury. It's a very similar population. When I say it's the same herd in a different pasture, I'm really not kidding. But the difference here, we start kind of going down a different path with Therapeutic Horses Saratoga, is this place was created not as a rescue, you know, kind of hold the presses. This is a place where thoughtful, 
racing owners started putting their horses because they did care for them and they didn't want them to fall into harm's way and they didn't let them go get neglected in a field somewhere where they weren't being fed and they didn't end up in a sales um, ring, being the bad kind, the auction kind. This, this place was founded by folks who owned racehorses and realized that their careers were over and then realized that, oh my God, there's not really a solution. The industry does not have a solution. So they needed to create a place that these animals could live out their days safely. So we are... We we are really helping horses, but and while we have a couple rescues on property and we're proud of them too, we can rescue. But our our our, our original raison d'etre was let's create a safe place for the horses that we love to live out their days healthily and happily. So that's just an interesting, different path and one that I think many, if not all, of your partners, Pete, at the ITM um, family, are the kind of racing owners that do this, that are looking ahead to what do we do when the horses need a home. So that's sort of point one for Therapeutic Horses Saratoga. Let me interject, let me interject, Kim, and just to ask you straight away while we're on this point, is there a process for for owners looking to, to you know, a lot of horsemen and uh, in the industry, listen. What what's the process if people have a, a horse that they're they're looking to, to to support through an organization like this? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Yes, there is an intake process, just like there was an intake process at the TRF, and they're they're pretty similar, although not exactly the same. The difference is that we are finite. We are very different than the TRF in that we are one farm. We own the land we sit on, and it can hold thirty horses, and we are full. So, doesn't mean there won't ever be another spot because this is one thing that is always going to be true, um, but we're we're to be looked at but not to be expected as an immediate solution gotcha okay great that's good to, that's good to get out there but i'm very excited to move on to the to the next part of your work you know i, I know how much the helping humans part i hope not hope i'm leading you in the order you were planning on speaking and not leading you down a blind alley but i know how the helping humans part was i mean just as satisfying if not the most satisfying part of the job you did at trf and, and now it sounds like you get to do that on a daily basis Perfect tee up, my friend. It's like we've done this before, which we have not. But um, um, yes, absolutely. A emphatic yes is that while we are helping the horses, we are healing the humans. And that is why we were created. So this is the opposite. It's sort of the flipping the TRF upside down. Same two pieces, horses and humans. But in this case, the whole creation of the farm was to immediately use them in equine assisted therapy put horses in the lives of people and the people will get better. And that is entirely why this organization exists. It is a people-centric organization and it is a people-focused organization. And the horses are being very, very well cared for, but they are honestly working side by side with the therapists to help make people's lives better. And I do think you, you know me well and you were with me along the whole journey at the TRF. I always say that I came for the horses, but I stayed for the people because that I just couldn't get enough of watching people's lives change and for the better in such powerful ways. And that's what we're here to do. So what we do, just to kind of give you like the three, the three bullets so that folks can digest all this, Therapeutic Horses Saratoga is here to put horses in humans' lives and to make humans' lives better. We start with um, equine-assisted psychotherapy. We actually partner with an organization, just like the TRF partnered with prisons. Here, we partner with a psychotherapy practice called ECS, and that is all accredited um, mental health counselors and um, mental health therapists. They are trained to use horses in their therapy, and our horses are the ones they use. So it's a marriage made in heaven, um, and that is our primary business. We not only so we provide the horses, they provide the therapists, and together we make the world a better place. We offer that to all kinds of 
populations in need. So this is why it's, it is a charity. It's, anyways, um, those who've experienced therapy and, or, or trauma in any kind of way, and we do that by raising money so that their services are paid for. So we provide services to veterans at no cost to veterans. We provide services to um, cancer survivors. We provide services to kids in foster care, all kinds of cool groups. Like that's what we do. But let me keep going to two more last bullets for your crew to digest at this first dose is that we also, because we have the horses and they're here to be teachers, just like Tier of Second Chances program, um, we have two programs that are also available if you don't need therapy, or at least you don't think you need therapy, because probably everybody needs therapy. <laughs> um, but if you are um, a horse player out there, I don't know, you know, my, 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 I, we know a few of those, don't we? And if you would just like to get your hands on horses and to understand them a little bit, spend a little time up close and personal, like our friend Dave Nichols is the first person I know who's already come to THS and done the horse play program. Horse play is not therapy, but it's equine assisted learning. It's just a chance to learn about horses, to learn about how your energy affects them, to learn whatever you really want to learn. Maybe you just want to learn how to pick hooves. That is something we offer and families can come out and do that. I have a vision of the Fornatel um, family coming out. I think Perrin's going to be really good guinea pig for this program and a great ambassador as she's always been. Um, so horseplay is a really cool thing that we do. And that is actually a way for us to raise a little bit of money. But it's actually, it gives you a chance to come here to the farm, book your own date for an hour, spend time in the pasture, just like you did when we took you to Wallkill, um, Pete. Just like when you walked and saw Corinthians Joy. That's how we do everything here. We don't go into a stall. We don't go into a barn. We take you into the pasture with some brushes and spend some time with these creatures. So Horse play is the second thing that is open to all who come to Saratoga this summer. I want to be booked every minute of every day with our guests coming out here. Yep. And then the last thing is that we can do um, corporate stuff. We can do corporate team building. We can do communication, bring bring the whole ITM um, team to come out here and spend an hour in a pasture learning a little bit about each other. So the fun thing is we get to share these horses with everybody, period. It's so great. I didn't know about really about the horse play and the, and the, the business idea. We will absolutely be having an ITM team meeting um, at some point during Saratoga. How do folks sign up for either a horseplay or the team building? Absolutely. Well, this is the first time and won't be the last time I'm going to get to give you my new URL. And happily, it's a little longer, but it's a little easier to remember. It is thsaratoga.org. So that's therapeutichorsesaratoga.org, but thsaratoga.org. Everything is right there. It's actually under services. Um, and you can watch a really cool video right on the homepage and learn a little bit about where I'm spending my time these days. So great. We're going to create a pretty link just because you came up with such a good one on the fly. <laughs> we Obviously, it's donations. We're going to get more into this. We don't we wish we had more time today to do it. I didn't leave enough, uh, unfortunately. We're, I want to make my announcement and, and move it along for today. But check it out. We're going to have a new page just like the old page. And now the easiest way to find it. Um, you can find it through the company URL, um, you know, dot org slash um, ITM, but you can also just go to in the money podcast.com slash horses. What it's all about. That's what brought us together. And, and uh, that's what we're going to continue to support in your new line of work. And here I will make the announcement now for the first time, even though it's not official Yay! official, but it's close enough for rock and roll, as we like to say around here. Um, it's going to be called the Echo Town 8. There's going to be a special contest sponsored by our friends at Adelphi Racing and the great uh, Matt Kater and the team over there. We're going to do it as an open contest on March 23rd to win shares in a thoroughbred racehorse. Oh. 
and this horse by Echo Town. That weekend is going to be uh, the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament. So we thought the tournament connection, it was a natural thing to call it the Echo Town Eight. All you have to do is donate. It's going to be $5 that you donate to um, to, to THS through uh, the Horse Tourney's website. And then for that 5 bucks, you get to participate in this contest. Why is it the, the Echo Town 8? Well, it, it's going to be unlimited entries to get in. But then the top eight players there are going to advance to another tournament the next week and compete and we're going to try to have a prize we will probably this is what isn't determined yet we're going to have a prize for anybody if you finish in that top eight you'll get something you know a free year of in the money plus that kind of thing um you know maybe a vip a delphi tour at saratoga really cool stuff you'll get something really cool if you finish in that eight but then the top finishers i don't know maybe the top three again haven't figured it all out will actually win shares in this adelphi partnership and i can tell you being an adelphi member has been a fantastic experience for me it's something i recommend and here's a chance to experience it at no cost to yourself people and also to support this fantastic work being done by Kim Weir and by the therapeutic horses of Saratoga. What do you think of my new idea? I love it. Oh my God. It's amazing. You, you and Matt together are like quite extraordinary. Um, and I think it sounds fantastic. <laughs> it was actually his idea. I'll be honest. It was actually his idea. <laughs> Well, you are the best promoter of other people's good ideas um, that I've ever met. So I think that's an awesome combination. And I'm thrilled. And I have to say, I'm a big fan of the NCAA tournament because what I didn't realize when Bobby and I got married is that we got married in the smack dab in the middle of the NCAA tournament. So for the rest of my life, I will be celebrating my anniversary watching basketball. And now we can be raising money for the THS at the same time. Woohoo! Great stuff, Kim. Thank you so much for your time today. We're going to have you back for a longer visit soon. Obviously, we'll have uh, more updates about what's going on, but I know folks are are thrilled uh, to hear you back on the airwaves and hear about this new organization. And it's just the beginning. I mean, there's going to be videos. There's going to be lots of fun stuff we can do together to uh, to help promote this great cause. Thank you so much, Kim, for your time today. Thank you, Pete. Cheers. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I would like to thank uh, Nick Tamaro and Tim Weir, of course. I guess I can't say our founding partners at THS anymore. I'm just going to have to figure out a, a special way of thanking Therapeutic Horses of Saratoga for being our charity partner and and uh, clicking that box in the best possible way for us. Also, our friends at 10 Strike Racing. And I have a feeling our friends at 10 Strike Racing will be among those going to uh, check out THS and the, the fantastic horseplay project. You can get all the information on how to do that at the THS website. Um let me see if I can remember the URL. It is thsaratoga.org. I think I got it right. And uh, once again, 10 strike. Love the, love those, love those guys uh, had fun um, competing in the little uh, 10 strike, uh, semi 10 strike uh, Super Bowl uh, squares tournament. That, that was fun. And Hey, let's take a little money away too. That's never a bad thing. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you, the listeners for making these shows so much fun to do. This show has been a production of in the money media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. <laughs>